0: Welcome to this week's edition of Hockey Unfiltered with Ken Campbell. I am the forever sidekick, Dylan Waugh. I am the Han Solo to Ken's Luke Skywalker or the Chewbacca to Ken's Han Solo. Have you ever noticed how these uh, sidekicks keep on getting cooler and cooler? I did do that on purpose. Stick around this week because we're going to be talking about the Montreal Canadiens, the Canadian Women's Olympic Hockey Team, the Calgary Flames, and of course the trades and coaches' firings and all that good stuff.
1: Can, Yes, sir. Take two. Take two. Yeah. Take one was a disaster. Take one was a disaster. No one will ever see it and we will never
0: speak of it again. We will never speak of it again. You know what I was like? I, I, Terrible. I was like that uh, <laughs> that Agatha Christie thing from Monty Python where they the inspector comes in, but he's completely tongue-tied and he comes yeah. in and he goes, please introduce me to intro allow myself. <laughs> and he goes, take the tablets, tiger. <laughs> That's what I felt like. So- this is the second uh, second try of this intro and yep. we're going to get it right. We are. But uh yeah, I'm not so I'm not so proud that I can't have a little fun at my own expense over how just painfully brutal that was. Don't even ask to listen to it. It's gone. Good. All right.
1: All right. The Canadians Olympic women's hockey team. The Canadians Olympic women's Canadian, hockey team. The Canadian women's Olympic hockey team. <laughs> oh
0: jeez. <laughs> Canadian Olympic women's hockey team. Yep. You wrote an article about them. I did. Last night. I did. As I'm given to understand. After the game ended. After the game ended. Yep. And you wrote about how completely dominant that they were. Yep. Possibly the most dominant team in the modern era. hmm And my question is, um, who, if anybody on this team, first of all, stood out for you?
1: Oh, Wow. Um, a lot of people stood out for me. Um, it, 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 was, this was a team that was everything. The men's team wasn't, uh, mm. they were, they were exciting. They were offensive. They took chances. They played with a lot of passion you know, the men's team was kind of meh. This team was, and, and I, I really think that part of what happened here is I think the Canadian, uh, brain trust, um, realized after, all of those losses in the world championships uh, five years in a row, I think it was losing in Pyeongchang and a shootout. They realized they had to sort of, they had to, they had to get better. They had to push the envelope a little more. They had to be, they had to score more. They had to be more offensive. And so they did that, you know? And, and I think, I think the person that, that people may not have even heard of that deserves a lot of credit for this is Gina Kingsbury. Um, hmm. the, the, basically the general manager of the team, she put the team together. You know, she was the one who, who, who made the cuts, who decided not to take some players like Victoria Bach. And then she took others like Sarah Fillier, um, you know, Claire Thompson on defense. Yeah. Like I, nobody had ever heard of her before the Olympics. She four years or four or five years ago, she decided she wasn't going to be a, a hockey player or, or at least a, a, an elite hockey player anymore. She decides to concentrate on her studies in, ecological biology or something at Princeton. Yeah. And, then How the next, dare she? yeah. and then the next thing you know, she's she's like the best turn player in the tournament. Aaron, she and Aaron Ambrose were outstanding. Like I didn't see any of that coming. I didn't see Sarah Nurse having 18 points and breaking Haley Wickenheiser's <laughs> yeah. scoring record. Yeah. After having one point in the Olympics four years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, and Renee Debian, you know, all of that, like all of these decisions that they made to turn things around. I think a lot of it has to be attributable to uh, Gina Kingsbury who brought in Troy Ward, who brought in, you know, and, and really, really, I think changed the complexion of the program to one where they, they had, they knew they had to be more dynamic. They had to be more, they had to push the pace more and they did that for the entire tournament. Yeah. Like this was and this was a dominant dominant team. I mean, they outscored their opponents 57 to 10. Yeah. They they trailed for 26 seconds. Yeah. In the whole tournament. Yeah. Um
0: which is a rounding error. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean they they US went up 2-1 in the the preliminaries and then they got it back right away and then they ended up winning that game 4-2. Yeah. Uh, um worst 26 it,
0: seconds of their lives. <laughs>
1: And it wasn't that bad, but, yeah. you know, I mean, there was, there was just, you know, Sarah Fillier was, was, was terrific, obviously, you know, Brianne Jenner's so, such a smart player. Um, and, you know, to me, I look back and, and I remember in 2014, the men's team, that was the most dominant team I had ever seen. Yeah. You know, I remember thinking afterwards, like I can play in my mind's eye. I can replay every goal they gave up because they only gave up three. Yeah. In the whole tournament. And they, they, they they beat, they, they got a shutout in the semis, a shutout in the gold medal game. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, You know, so to me, that was the most dominant team, but that team didn't score a lot. I mean, they beat Latvia 2-1 in the quarters and they needed a third period goal to do it. They beat USA 1-0 in the semifinal. I mean, this team, like they, they, they won every game by an average of 8-1. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like that, that yeah. was, this was a dominant, dominant team. And I look back at another team that was very, very dominant. The and five 2005 world junior team with Patrice Bergeron and Sidney Crosby and Jeff Carter and, and yeah. all those guys, the year of the lockout, um, that team was unbelievable as well. Um, you know, and, and that team to me was probably as close to this team in terms of identity. They could really score and they could shut it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, this team was as dominant as any team I've seen. I mean, they, they outscored USA 57 to 30. And they, they, so they, they had almost twice as many goals as the next best team in the tournament. You know, U.S. beat Finland 4-1, I think, in the, in the, in the semis. Canada smoked Finland. Like, it was 11-1. Yeah, You know, they gave up, the, the most they gave up in a game, I think, was three, and that was in a game that they scored 10 against Switzerland. So, yeah. to me, I don't think there's any doubt that this is this is one of the most dominant teams, men or women, that Canada's ever put together. And, you know, led, of course, by Marie-Philippe Poulain, who all she does is score and score in big moments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, um, you know, the only player, men's or women's, to score in four straight gold medal games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to me, like if she, you know, and, and I mean, you know, this is being Captain Obvious here, but if she decided to retire this afternoon and never played again, or kept playing and never scored another goal or ever did anything, I mean, her place in the Hall of Fame is is set. It's set. It's, yeah. it's, it's ready. It's ready. Like, let's know when you're retiring and three years after that you're in. You know, like it's it's that simple. Yeah,
0: if you can give us a year's heads up, so that we can just get the plaque all made. <laughs> yeah. and, you yeah. know, there's yeah. actually uh, it, it costs less to put an early deposit on uh, on these sorts of things. So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's yeah. just it's so just let us know. In yeah. That sense. Yeah. yeah, Um You know, y- y- the comparison. So the 2005 World Juniors, I mean, that's considered the gold standard of all World Juniors teams.
1: Right. And, and 2006 isn't far behind in terms of defensive juggernaut, the right. one that won in, the one that won in, uh, in Vancouver. But yeah. to me, 2005 is the team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: But, uh, you know, the other comparison that you made was 2014 with Sochi. And the biggest knock on that team that most people had was that it was just dull. It was dull, dull, dull. Yeah. And so my question to you is, did you find this women's tournament at the Olympics? Did you find it dull? Or did you or were there were there reasons to get up and watch these games? Well,
1: I, I think there were reasons to watch. I mean the the both Canada-US games were were very good. Mm-hmm. And and to me, as the tournament went on, um, I, I think the compelling story for me as that tournament went on was just how dominant is this Canadian team. You know, because with every game they just kept getting better and they kept doing more and more incredible things and they kept scoring more and Sarah Nurse kept getting four and five points a game <laughs> and, and and you know Brian Jenner kept scoring goals and and you know cl- you know Claire Thompson end up you know being great on defense and and so you, I think that was to me that was what sort of kept me hooked was mm-hmm. yeah we knew they were going to be really good and we knew they were great as the tournament went on, but you just kind of went on and it was just like, well, how much better can they be? Oh, wow. They can be that much better. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> kind of cool. Um, the tournament itself, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was okay. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't think the games against the U S had the, had the same drama that they've had in the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a three, two game in the out and the out, the U S actually, quite badly outshot Canada in both games. But yeah. I just I just never got the sense that that Canada was ever in peril. You know? Right. Like I they didn't face really any adversity in this tournament at all. And when they did, it was like very quick to be put to bed. You know, yeah. you go down two one to the US in the second period. Okay, well, let's uh Brianna just go out and score and tie the game for us. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Or it might have been Marie-Philippe who tied the game, but in any event, um, you know, they, they were just so dominant. I think, I think that's what made the, that for me, that's what made the tournament compelling was, you know, how, just how good can this team actually be? And, and as we see it could be the best women's team I think that's ever been put together in, in any, for any country.
0: Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I loved watching Sarah nurse getting that opportunity on the top line, um,
1: yeah, when Melody
0: Daou got hurt. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, and, okay, so now you made it sound ghoulish, what I just said.
1: <laughs> but, oh, okay.
0: Because <laughs> the flip side of her having that opportunity is that there was a bad injury that led yeah, to it. Yeah, but yeah. she she's just such like, um like, it, it's easy to root for uh, underdogs, right? And Sarah, Ner- like, when you watch Marie-Philippe Pelin skate and shoot and play, she just looks like a superstar. Yeah. Sarah Nurse is not the fastest skater on the ice. She doesn't have the quickest release on the ice, but just every once in a while she just like she just deflects
1: the puck. Like
0: there there were a couple she of She she did that it she last got. night. Well, yeah. and
1: and last night on her on the first goal. Right. She did exactly that. She yeah.
0: just she's like a Tyler Toffoli where you don't really like point yeah. to one thing specific and then you're just yeah. like Oh, that's her name being called again by the announcer. Right. Oh, that's her right. name being called again by the announcer. She's
1: super tenacious, too. Like,
0: She's yeah. so tenacious. Yeah, yeah. And, and that that was fun to watch. And, and of course, um, it, it, there were a few individual players to watch, but I did find my interest in the tournament wane by the end of it because it did just feel kind of...
1: It was a coronation. It was a it, coronation. It, it, it very cor- much was. It yeah. was more of a coronation yeah. than it was a hockey tournament. Yeah. And and you know, I mean that that's I wrote that. Yeah. That's really clever actually. Um <laughs> <laughs> but but it was it, I as, wasn't going to say anything. As the tournament went on, it it yeah. seemed like it was more of a coronation than a hockey tournament. And and sometimes that can be boring and and not really intriguing, but I I did find it actually intriguing just to see how good this team could be. Yeah.
0: Now, at every good coronation, uh there is of course entertainment, right mm-hmm. and a staple in a coronation's entertainment is the jester right yes so uh tell, tell me about what's uh, what stood out to you about the uh Canadian men's hockey team
1: nothing nothing it was man, like I just can't. Like it, it thats that's the only word I can come up with to describe the men's Olympic team. Was yeah, me, Yeah, they got what they deserved. They yep. totally got what they yep. deserved. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at you know, it's funny. You know, Canada and U.S. of course in the women's gold medal game, as we all expected. Canada and U.S. in the on the men's side both lose in the quarterfinal. Yeah. Um, one a lot more surprising than the other. I thought the U.S. was gonna was gonna be better and, yeah. and, and, and have a better showing. But I will say this, at least with the U S you know, David Quinn, they, they identified their team, right? Yeah. We're going to be young. We're going to be fast. We're going to play our young guys. Like he played Matty Beniers. He played Abruzzese. He played Matthew nice. He played his young guys and you go down swinging. Great. You know, you, you play a team in Slovakia. That's uh you know riding riding some hot uh, some hot you know some some hot players and you lose in a shootout okay you know we can live with that we went down swinging yeah. i'm fine with that i'm okay yeah. with that because they they played to their identity they they said what they were they committed to that and they didn't win but they went down swinging yeah. canada just man, like 22 shots, no goals in the quarterfinal against Sweden. Like they looked like they were playing not to lose. And that's a perfect way to lose is to play not to lose. And to me, I mean, like, again, like, and, and it's easy to second guess. And it, and it is easy to second guess. They made it easy to second guess in my opinion. Right. But to me, like, you know, I mean, so if Ken Johnson's your best player and he's your best scorer, then put them out there all the time. Like, don't put them out there when it's, when it's one, nothing late in the yeah. quarterfinal game yeah. and go save, save our asses. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like play Mason McTavish, play Kent Johnson, you know, play those young guys. I mean, Owen Power played a lot, Yeah, but, but to me, it was like, they just kept going back to Daniel Winnick and Eric Stahl and Jordan wheel and David Darnay and then, and then like, come on, you know, to me, Caden Gooley would have been on that team to me. Again, I'm going to say it again. Connor Bedard would have been on that team. Yeah. Like, could could they not have used him in that Sweden game? Yeah. Would he have not been good for one big time play? Yeah. He would have been. And so, to me, I think Canada got exactly what they deserved. They had a bunch of guys over 30, and they had a couple of guys in their you know in their early 20s and teens, and they had very little in between. And yeah. I think that killed them.
0: Goaltending also proved to be a bit of an issue for them.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And again, they went with they went with two guys. One guy, so so Eddie Pasquale plays in the KHL. Big deal. Big deal. Yeah. The KHL is- And he's putting up middling numbers in the
0: KHL. The I K- it up. He's got like a 9-11 yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and
1: the KHL is like somewhere between the East Coast League and the American Hockey League in terms of quality of play. That's all it is. Yeah. And then you've got- You've got Tompkins who's playing in Sweden, okay. Like, but then you've got Devin Levi who's putting out, who's got like, he gets a shutout every other game. He's he's putting together a a Ryan Miller type of epic, historic college season. You bring him over there and you sit him. Yeah, like maybe the kid stands on his head in that Sweden game. I'm sure
0: people just absolutely hate my little my little anecdotes my little beer league anecdotes at this point but you know i i had this one group that i played with for years and years and it was run by these two brothers and one of them played AHL and one of them played OHL and they were both in their 40s old fat guys as so many of us are and
1: what Be for yourself big fella
0: yeah well what happened was pretty- <laughs> <laughs> well, you just walked over here. Yeah. yeah. So that's good. Yeah. What happened was, is that oftentimes, because it was a decently high level of, of uh, c- competition, you know, we get kids come in from U sports. Okay. You know, they'd be off season, they'd come in from U sports. And twice I saw kids come in from U sports and just think, ah, I'm going to take this old fat guy for a walk. You know, talking about my buddy that played AHL. And every single time he'd make them look like an idiot. Right. The peak performance that he was able and is able to reach, is just higher, and so the point about the Eddie Pasquale thing, Eddie Pasquale thing, and you know going back to Devin Dubnik, or whatever, it's just he's just never had that in his career. Eddie Pasquale has. He's he's played three NHL games
1: to your well, point. He's playing in the, in the in the KHL for a reason, right?
0: right? Exactly. <laughs> and so I'm just saying that like he's just never, you know. In a situation like this, where you can argue that intelligence would have a lot to do, if you're hoping that these guys, even though they're older, you know, can still play, your hopes is that that's, that's based on intelligence. The yeah. players that play well into their old age, they don't do so because necessarily they're the best physical specimen. Yeah, They do so because they're smart, right? The, you know, the old Jerome McGinley joke. You might have to me wheel me to the net, but I'm going to score my goals once mm-hmm. I get there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, or maybe not the best example, <laughs> maybe maybe not <laughs> but uh but anyways this is this is my point and and for in terms of for the men's team, yeah, it's uh I like Claude Julian, I think he can be a good coach, but I think that he he needs a certain team and a certain style to be a good coach, yeah, and you know this team to your point it didn't exactly it didn't necessarily play to its strengths and he didn't even have access to necessarily those players that he would have wanted access to and the joke is is that uh jordan wheel as you mentioned was one of the guys that claude julian was playing all the time when he was coaching the habs yeah, yeah. And the habs fans were going why is he on the power play why did you put jordan wheel on
1: the power play yeah. So, and I mean, Claude doesn't know these guys. She he doesn't know all these guys playing over in Europe. No. You know, and, and Shane Doan like, and Shane Doan's a wonderful person and may very well end up being a good executive someday. But like, what yeah. does he know about all those guys playing over in Europe? No. You know. No. I mean the the year like like I know in 1998 Canada when they lost in the in the bronze medal game. And that was the first year NHL players were expected or were playing and Canada was expected to win that tournament. Yeah. I know they came back and Bob Clark and Bob Gainey said, you know, we totally underestimated how good the non NHL players were. Yeah. In the, in this tournament, like the Czechs had 10 guys in 1998 that were non NHL players and they ended up winning it. Yeah. And they totally, they totally under, 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 um, uh, underrated that or under yeah. underestimated that. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you needed somebody who was on the ground in Europe, like really watching these players and, and watching the, you know, the younger guys and the college guys to be able to, and I don't think St. Shane Doan was doing that necessarily. Yeah. yeah. You know?
0: Well, that's the old 1972 thing as well. Yeah. Right. Is they, they saw Tretiak play one time hung over and thought, yeah, we got this. And they, and they didn't have that second thought to think, Maybe we want to watch him more than once. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we want to see, is this an anomaly or is this truly what this goaltender is? But there's kind of a, there's an, uh, there's an arrogance in that, in thinking that uh, it kind of, it almost met their expectations of what a Russian goaltender was going to look like. Right, right. And so it confirmed their biases and mm-hmm. so they didn't even think, let's give it another look. Right. And we're all guilty of that to one extent or another. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's the same thing. It's the same old story. We do, we are, the NHL is the best league in the world. There's no question about that. But once you take that out of the equation, we are very North American biased and North American centric. And there's a lot of excellent hockey players all over the world. Yep. 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 Okay, shall we move on from the Olympics? We shall. We shall. Exactly eight days ago, the Montreal Canadiens announced that they were moving on from Dominic Ducharme. Interestingly, they did not name a replacement immediately, but uh, eventually, Martin St-Louis was named as replacement. What was your first reaction to hearing St-Louis named as head coach for the Montreal Canadiens? It was pretty quick, though, wasn't it? It was about two, three hours.
1: Okay, well what do you want? <laughs> like, holy smokes. <laughs> well go to go to Edmonton. Well yeah. we're gonna be going yeah, to Edmonton yeah, next. Yeah yeah. And yeah, yeah. They had a they had it, they, they had they had their their
0: the It guy almost and, felt yeah. like they were kinda of like like yeah. we're firing Dominic Sharman. We're gonna name But they n- No, what do you mean no? No, but okay, they knew, well, they, who knew who they, we gonna, they
1: knew they were high they knew they were know, Of
0: course they we, knew. But
1: yeah. But it was odd. Yeah. The timing was odd. Yeah. But everything about this season is Upside down and odd about (laughs) the Montreal Canadiens. Okay, fair enough. Um, Yeah, I mean... (sighs) They're nothing if not consistent. How do you stay... How how could you have possibly stayed with Dominic Ducharme? I mean, it was clear that the players weren't buying what he was selling, and it was very clear that they had tuned him out. It was very clear that they were bad and not caring. Right. So you had to do something. You obviously had to do something. Um, I was really surprised at Martin Saint Louis. Um, you know.
0: Your tweet, you're gonna make me say it. Your tweet was was so funny. The real question is, who's going to be coaching the U twelve AAA team? U <laughs> thirteen. U thirteen. U thirteen
1: Mid mid-fair, Fairfield <laughs> team. He was the assistant coach too. He wasn't even the head coach. <laughs> like, come on. He's gonna work come his on. way up there. I mean. I... I I get it, but like bring him in as a, as something else. Like I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's 0-3 right now. I mean, I guess they, they play a lot harder and there seems to be a lot more, like he's got all kinds of runway. He's got, he doesn't have to win a game this season. Yeah. And he yeah. might, and he might not win one. <laughs> he might not.
2: Yeah. He no, may not. Yeah.
1: Um, but um, yeah, I mean, they brought in a Wee coach. Yeah. Um, Albeit one who's in the Hall of Fame who had, you know, 1,100 points, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Family Cup, you know, heart trophies, three
0: lady bings. I told I get you that, it. that I get little it. Twitter bit I got into. I said, my youngest student is seven. Maybe uh, where <laughs> should I send my resume? And uh, somebody said, well, did you score 1,000 points in the NHL? Well, goalies aren't normally judged on points. So. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I've scored maybe four ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, mo- so what. Do you hope? What do you think the Montreal Canadiens then are looking to accomplish with the hiring of a Pee Wee coach?
1: Well, I think what they wanted to do was they they wanted to see who, you know, who they wanted, who they want to keep, how they want to, you know, like I mean, he's another thing that bothered me is that he's. He got the job because his kid played with Kent Hughes' kid and Kent Hughes got the job because his play- kid played with Jeff Corton's kid. Like if you're if you're trying to rebuild something here, maybe not be going to your buddies all the time. You know, now we're hearing that you know, Vincent LeCavier, another guy who's coaching minor hockey in Tampa, <laughs> he coaches his kid and John Cooper's kid, yeah. may may, you know, be in the Canadians organization somehow. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out where they're going to go from here. And, and they needed somebody they trusted. They both trust Marty. They needed someone who could give them the goods on, you know, who should stay, who should go, uh, what the pulse of the room is and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but to me, I think the more intriguing question here is what's the plan. Yeah. What's the plan in Montreal? Yeah. And if you trade, one of your more productive players who's on a really good contract yep. with two years of term left. Yep. I think that makes a real statement about where you're going. Yeah. And to me, it's straight to Palookaville, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's tankity tank tank. I, I can't see any other, th- any other, like it can say it's not, but yeah. I mean, you trade Tyler to I mean, Tyler Toffoli. I mean, he only had nine goals, but he was tied for their score, tied, tied for the most goals. Yeah. And he was second in points yeah. and he had a horrible start and he wasn't like, I didn't feel like Tyler Toffoli was part of the problem in Montreal. No. You know, he could have been, he possibly could have been part of the solution if there was one, but oh. so you trade him, right? He's on a great contract. Yep. He's got two years of term left on it. He's 29 years old. It's not like he's 35, you know, Um, I think you're making a real statement with a move like that. And to me, if you're not tanking and if you're not going to just cut it down to the wood, then what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Like we know Ben Sherratt's going to be gone. We know Jeff Petrie's probably going to be gone. Yeah. You know, so then to me, where does it go after that? What do you do with Brandon Gallagher? You know, what do you do with Josh Anderson? What do you do with, you know, Carey Price? Yeah. What do you do with those guys? because i it's going to be interesting to see how much pain there's going to be in montreal and for how long it's going to last yeah cuz you know the the mike babcock there's going to be pain here mm-hmm. right and there's going to be pain mm-hmm. there is pain in montreal and and when i say tank i don't mean for this year i mean long term long term yeah. tankage you know what i yeah. mean like like really digging in and saying okay we are going to you know because the 2023 draft You've got you've got Connor Bedard, who's the far and away the number one prospect. You've got Matt Vay-Mitchkoff, mm-hmm. and you've got Adam Fantilli, who's a kid who's playing in the USHL, going to Michigan next year. He's gonna be a great player. Those three players. So if you tank, you're guaranteed one of those three guys if you finish last. Yeah. Right? So I, I mean, is that what they're doing? Um you know, and, and if they are, then move it along, move it along. Let's go. Yeah. Ben Schrott, you're out of here. Jeff Petrie, you're out of here. You know, yeah. Brandon Gallagher, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Do you want to be part of a rebuild for a hundred years uh, or do you want to move on? Well, maybe we can't move you on because he's got six and a half, and on, a half million, on a long-term yeah. deal.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. You know, and Josh Anderson, same thing, but um, you know, I think they have to figure out what they're going to do.
0: So before, uh, before I get into Tafolly a little bit, I just wanted to um, ask one more question about the coach, just to kind of tie tie, tie things a up. Around tie it. a bow around it. Okay. Um, personally, I think it's it's not a bad hire. I think that if you're stuck having to hire a bilingual coach and the pool is so small this kind of broadens the pool a little bit. Okay. And so whether he's gone at the end of the year or he actually acquits himself quite well and you say, you know what, let's keep you around, there's kind of no wrong answer here. And so I, I, I kind of like it, but that's going to my question to you, which is if you were to put an odds on it, if you were to put odds, would, do you think that Martin St. Louis is coaching the Montreal Canadiens next year? Wow.
1: Yes. Yes, I do. You yeah, do? I do.
0: I do. You're 70% sure? Or? I
1: would say probably 70 to 75%, yeah.
0: Yeah, cut yeah. to ad read here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hi, everybody. Ken Campbell here. Well, this is episode nine of our little podcast uh, that Dylan and I have going here, and uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, we hope you're having fun listening to it. And uh, we hope you're you're sticking around and supporting us. And there are several ways you can do that. Obviously, by coming back and listening and, and liking and uh, and continuing uh, to, to support us. That way is a good way. Another way is to go to mybookie.com. They're a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, they're helping us uh, with some of the expenses, putting this together. And if you're inclined to bet on hockey or any other sport, uh, give it a shot at mybookie.com. They have a double deposit bonus up to $1,000. But you do have to use the promo code HockeyUnfiltered, all one word. Uh, And that way they know that uh, that you've uh, you've been directed to them uh, through our podcast and they might be more inclined to continue to support us. So um, it's a great way to uh, it's a great way to put money down on games if you do that. And it's a great way to support us as well. You can put some money down on Colorado or Tampa for the Stanley Cup. They're the two obviously the two favorites right now. Um and uh, you get the double deposit up to a $1000. So why not? Give it give it a shot at mybookie.com. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.com. No, but I I would say so because I think I I think if you're if you're going to go in the direction that I think they're going, yeah. then you want someone who is is going to have a good perspective on things and is going to be able to handle this situation. Yep. Like you're not going to bring in, if you're tanking, you're not going to bring in an established coach who wants to win now. Right. 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 You're going to bring someone in who is going to get in on the ground floor with a lot of these guys yep. and, you know, have his guys and his, you know, and, and sort of bring them up and and provide the template and the, and the maturation and and, you know, bring them along for a couple of years, and then you decide whether or not he's the guy that takes you, takes you a little further. But, yeah I, yeah, I would think that, you know, I mean. Yeah. Why not? There's no quick fix.
2: Yeah, no, there's no not. quick
1: fix. Like, who are you going to bring in? Who are you yeah. going to bring in? Why not? Like, Marty San Louis, Okay, so you lose 52 games with Marty San Louis. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Okay,
0: so moving on to Tyler Toffoli. Uh, a little bit you wrote an article about tyler toffoli and I, I have to say the the amount of in-depth you went into for the montreal canadians is, is really is really incredible you, I you I, had I so many incredibly incredibly good ideas in this article it's just so so well conceived where are you going with this well we talked on the phone before the article Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. 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 I, I would even say that from reading the words you wrote, it even sounded like you were better looking while writing the article. I got to say. Yes, so. you
1: did. You actually did. You actually did provide me with a lot of uh, a lot of uh, good ideas for that piece. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I see where you were going with that. Okay.
0: I, I was trying yep. to be more subtle, but uh, subtlety is not my strong suit. It's not. Yeah. Bludgeoning over the head. Right. Is more where I get uh, I get okay. my laughs. Right. So, anyways, going to um, going to the Tyler Toffoli trade, right? Boy, I screwed up all my notes. What happened? I just screwed up all my notes. Um, when I when I tried to when I tried to re rejig it to be more as, as the same same bit. Okay. Uh. Okay. All right. I got it. Man, I'm a disaster today. You are. You are. It's, <laughs> it's a good thing that I'm good at editing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is going to look like I wasn't a disaster at all. <laughs> okay. All Go right. ahead. Go ahead. Kent Hughes has come out and said that it's not a full rebuild. But obviously, like as you were just talking about, trading Tyler Tofoli, who is uh, maybe not your most productive guy, but he has, Tyler Tofoli has come out and said that he wants to be part of the solution and is willing to stick around and to rebuild yeah. where Brendan Gallagher has actually said, he didn't say, uh, I want to go, but he did say something to the effect of, I'd be open to leaving if the team is rebuilding, which, you know, in hockey player parlance, that's screw you guys. I'm out of here.
1: Well, and, and you know what? I don't blame Brendan Gallagher for no, that. No, I'm not blaming him at I all. I don't blame either. him at all. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to be able to move that deal.
0: Um, no, I mean it might be a net negative yeah, at this point, yeah, which is yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, I, I you're don't not, blame you're him not, either.
1: You, you, know what? And and the fact of the matter is, you probably won't get much back in return for him. Yeah, because the other team is going to have to take on such a commitment. Yeah. Um, but to me, okay, Kent Hughes says it's not a rebuild. Okay, so then what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? You just traded a guy who's productive, cheap, has term on his contract, and loved it, loved being there.
0: Yeah. He, he lived in Le Tour de Canadien. Right. He lived in the, 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 the tower
1: connected to the bell <laughs> yeah. center. And so, so to me, to me, if that's the guy you're trading, then you're, and you're not rebuilding mm-hmm. and you, and you traded him for a first, a fifth and a, uh, and a, and a prospect. Heinemann. Yeah. It, then, then like, okay, well then what is it? Tell me yeah. what it is. If it's yeah, not yeah. a rebuild, what is it? Yeah. Because to me, it looks an awful lot like a rebuild. Walks like a rebuild. Quacks <laughs> yeah, yeah. like a rebuild. You know what I mean? It's a rebuild.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when asked to define pornography, I can't define it, but I know it but when I, know it I see it. But I know it when I see it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah what's offensive, yeah. Yeah, yeah when, exactly. I, when asked to define a rebuild.
1: Judge, what's that, Judge? It was the... Uh, uh, yeah, it was a judge, a Supreme Court judge in the U.S. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So anyways, uh, I'll tell you, it looks a heck of a lot like trading Tyler Toffoli. But I, I definitely think that there's broader implications to this as well in the sense that they don't think that if, they're, if you're doing this, if you're trading a guy who's got two more years on his contract, and, and you are, are, if you're not going to rebuild, presumably the reason why you're not going to rebuild is because you think that Carey Price is going to come back and be a productive goaltender in two years. If you're trading Tyler Toffoli, presumably you think that that is not the case. Right, right. So it's, uh, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a rebuild. I, I will say this, um, I, I was very underwhelmed by the return, but I do have a colleague named Patrick Bexel from Habs Eyes and the Prize who lives and works in Sweden, And he has access to all the SHL coaches and uh, apparently um, Heinemann's SHL coach is very high on him, thinks that he's a very high IQ player and uh, will be maybe a top six guy in the NHL, which is contrary. Sounds a lot
1: like Arturi Lekanen before he came to Montreal and they ruined him. Well, yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, Martin Saint Louis will be better <laughs> with
0: the uh, with the younger prospects. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that that runs contrary to everything that I read, and and I still hold my own reservations about um, just about guys playing in European leagues at older ages that are not the KHL. Well. We see guys come from the KHL like Kaprizov. We see guys come from the KHL at older ages and are well suited for the NHL. But I don't think that we see the same thing with the SHL.
1: I'd have to dig a little deeper into it, but yeah. I'm not sure that that's completely accurate. I mean, you know, Timu Solani was 22 when he came over. He he played for about three years. Oh, okay, after so like he got a thousand there. years ago, it happened once. <laughs> yeah. No, perfect. But, <laughs> no, but I I think there are other there are other. Other uh, yeah. examples, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with, I mean, you, you know, I mean, a lot of those guys, they want to get them over, you know, yeah. look what Detroit did with Lucas Raymond and Mort Sider. They got them over here. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. So,
0: so before we, uh, before we move on to the other side of that trade, the Calgary Flames, which are having a fantastic year to the surprise of, well, everyone. <laughs> yes. But before we move on to the Calgary Flames, last thing I wanted to just say about the return was. The Leafs last year gave up a first and two fourths for Nick Felino.
1: Yeah. Come on. But don't give me that. Don't tell me that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because hockey players yeah. at the trade deadline are like real estate. They're worth what somebody's willing to pay for them. Don't
0: tell me That's that either. It. I own real estate in Toronto. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you might have just said You're in my- good
1: shape. You're yeah. in good shape then. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 But no, but but to me, it's it's like it's like everybody's like, everybody was going crazy. Oh, if if this is what they could get for Tyler Tafoli, JT Miller, look at what like JT Miller's price is going through the roof. Yeah. No, it's not. He's a rental. Yeah, it's a completely yeah. different situation. Yeah. Tyler Toffoli has two years left on his deal yeah. with 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 at a very very cap friendly price, and uh, and and JT Miller's a rental. Who's going to want big money after this deal's over? So no, he's not going to JT Miller's not going to get way more. You yeah. know what I mean? Like like to me, it's it's just because Toronto gave up a first and a fourth for for um, Nick for Foligno. Nick Foligno. Yeah. Doesn't mean that everybody's going to lose their mind and 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 trade all kinds of assets for these other guys.
0: I guess my point is that Foligno was a pure rental. Tyler yeah. Toffoli's cost certainty for a couple of years. Yeah, and Tyler Toffoli is a proven playoff performer. Yeah, Nick Foligno is.
1: Well, I know I know Montreal wanted not. wanted really wanted one of Jacob Peltier or Connor Zary, yeah, two of Calgary's better prospects. Yeah, and it it just. Calgary was just not going to do it. Yeah. They just weren't going to do it. So if they're not going to do it, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You, well, you get the best deal you can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Before we get to the next subject, I just want to remind you that if you could please subscribe and review this podcast, that helps other people find this podcast, helps us to continue to deliver great content like this, and check us out on YouTube. And of course, if you want this podcast and other great writing right in your inbox, subscribe to kencampbell.substack.com. So, moving on to the uh, partner in that trade, the Calgary Flames. Calgary Flames currently lead the Pacific Division in both points and point percentage. Correct. But what's really interesting is that they've got a plus 52 goal differential. My my main question here is, do you think that they're Stanley Cup contenders?
1: It's interesting because they're playing in by far the worst division in the NHL. Correct. So... I, I mean that that might uh, that might be a factor, as with their only real competition being beaten, bloodied,
0: and battered. Who Vegas? Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Although we can talk about just how beaten, bloodied, and battered. Oh, my back!
1: Is <laughs> yeah, <killing laughs> <in this chair. laughs> LTIR. That's oh boy. Me. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I I I mean, I, I think I think they are. Yeah. And and what what I think is really interesting about the Calgary Flames is. Who to thunk it? Like who to thunk it? With Daryl Sutter. Yeah. Like Daryl Sutter, who gets no credit for being a real forward thinking guy. The Jolly I, I Rancher. Think, see, I think I think he's I think he's really he's a guy, I think, who's who's adapted and he's he's a lot more cutting edge and a lot more modern than people give him credit for. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, I mean, that's a big part of it. Like Oliver Shillington was on waivers last year. You yeah. know, and now he's their high-scoring defenseman. He and Chris Tanev playing together mm-hmm. have been lights out, mm-hmm. you know? And they've got that first line back together with uh, with Lindholm, Godrow and and Kachuk. Yeah. Who have been amazing. Yeah. You yeah. know, at their third-line center is Sean Monaghan. And now their third-line right-winger is Tyler Foley.
2: Yeah.
1: And Blake Coleman. Well, it might, might be Blake Coleman. I mean, right now he's playing on the second line. Yeah. Uh, but, Blake Coleman but, doesn't have any... Uh, uh, Any success playing on a third line, though, does it? No, no, zero. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he's been terrible as a third liner. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, and and I mean, when it comes back to it, right, we talked, well, we haven't really talked that much about it, but goaltending. Yeah. Goaltending. Okay, so.
0: They pretty much have the goaltending. That's what I'm saying. yeah. yeah.
1: We are, we're going to talk about Edmonton after, right? Correct. Kenny Holland, the GM of the Edmonton Oilers, thought he had Jacob Markstrom. Yeah. He thought he had him. Yeah, yeah in free agency. They had it. He thought he had a deal. And at the last minute it got pulled out from under him. Calgary got him, you know, so put Jacob Markstrom in Edmonton's net and put Mikko Koskinen and Mike Smith and whoever else and Stuart Skinner and all those other guys in Calgary's nets. Mm -hmm. And you have a completely different story, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. The teams get reversed,
1: right? Well, maybe not reversed, but yeah, but, but yeah, but, but, It's completely different. Yeah. So.
0: One thing I'll say about goaltending and coaching, Daryl Sutter does make life easier on goaltenders. If you look at like the cup winning years with Jonathan Quick, you know, Quick was able to be way more aggressive and outside of his net because he knew that Daryl Sutter's defense style would be blocking the back door constantly. And so, you know, you get a little bit of a chicken or egg thing here, but, I mean, Jakob Markstrom has been an excellent goaltender from before he was with Daryl Sutter. But it is just to say that, you know, sometimes the, the coach does yeah uh, build the goaltending. I mean, like, look at Ilya Sorokin, mm-hmm. you know, having a good year. And I wouldn't have him as one of my top goalies. But um, going back to uh, to Daryl Sutter and and getting his, um, his old buddy, Tyler Toffoli, to, to, you know, like play on the... Uh, Third, third, fourth, third line there.
1: Oh, you're being that's mean. My,
0: that was my, uh, that was my Daryl Sutter impression. You're being mean.
1: That wasn't mean. That was, uh, okay. that was, that was, that was
0: the most sincere <laughs> form of flattery <laughs> is the imitation.
1: But I, but see, I think, I, I think, see, I think that's a real. Um, no, but that's
0: his character.
1: Yeah, that's his character. Yeah, I, I but think I, he's but I, thinking, I don't think, too. I don't think the character matches the like the the persona matches the guy? Yeah, yeah. I th- I think he's a lot more progressive and he's a lot more like he's a lot more analytics based and he's a yeah. lot more um forward thinking than people give him credit for. No, it's it's the old norm McDonald thing,
0: which is is, you know, you want to seem like the dumbest guy in the room. Right, yeah, yeah. And so no, yeah. no, I'm I'm yeah. I am I'm being a a tad a tad, right. a tad right. mean, but no, right. I I agree right. with you. I right. think that the fact is is that there's a reason why the uh la kings were putting up excellent advanced analytics numbers before Mm -hmm. virtually any team was really tracking Mm. advanced analytics numbers and it's because you've got a coach that is for thinking like that and calgary flames this year again it doesn't happen by accident no right yeah it doesn't happen by accident so no no no, i agree with you but i i am curious though about to to foley do you think that that the flames really needed to fall in order to push them over the edge? Or do you think that this is kind of like a case of, I'm going to call it Vegasitis, where it's just the shiny new object.
1: No, I, no, because he, I don't even think anybody figured he was out there, you mm. know? Like, so I think they obviously, they obviously sort of identified him as a guy that could really help them, which he can. Yeah. I mean, so now you've got Matt, now your right side is Matthew Kachuk, um, Blake Coleman, Tyler to
0: and can play either side. Though, yeah, but, but well. he's
1: playing the right side right now. Yeah, yeah. Like right now their third line is Dylan Dubé, Sean Monahan, and Tyler Taffoli. Yeah. That might be the best third line in the league. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, or and Tyler Taffoli moves up to moves up to the second line if you need him to, yeah. right? Um Yeah, I think I think, you know, I think Calgary was a team just like They've been this year, I think, I think they were like a real dark horse team for trade deadline acquisitions, Yeah, yeah. you know, and, uh, and, you know, they went out and got the guy that they thought they needed. And yeah. I mean, I just don't know how adding a Tyler Toffoli doesn't do anything but help, you know? Yeah. Guys won two cups. He's played in every situation. He's been a clutch scorer. He, you know, he's, he's done it all. Yeah. And so yeah, I think I think it was a great move.
0: I I love any player that can put up 25 goals and kill penalties in the same year. Yeah. I you know, that's that that grouping to me is basically restricted to Mark Stone, Tyler Toffoli, Max Patchetti, As okay. guys that can put up goals and kill penalties. Yeah. It's it, well, okay, <laughs> Patrice Bergeron, Duh. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I guess I was thinking wingers. I guess I had wingers on the brain. All right, shall we move on to the other Alberta-based team? Jonathan Huberto, too. That's true. Yeah.
1: That's true. I feel like nobody's talking about him enough this year. Yeah, I agree with you. (laughs) I agree with you. He's having an
0: excellent, excellent year.
1: He might be the Hart Trophy winner this year. (laughs) (laughs) My
0: goodness. Yeah. The least pomp and circumstance around a Hart Trophy winner ever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Do you want to talk about Huberdeau?
1: Not really. Oh, okay. Well, not really. Yeah. So
0: we will we'll, then unless you want we'll be part of the problem then and not okay, be talking yeah, about him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but we just talked about him.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, you're welcome, Jonathan Huberdeau, if you're listening.
1: I don't think he is, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, you never know.
0: Shortly after the firing of Dominic Ducharme, the Edmonton Oilers followed suit by promoting their AHL coach to the NHL following the firing of Dave Tippett. Mm-hmm. The Oilers are 3-0 and since Woodcroft took over
1: j woodcroft sorry j woodcroft okay yep j woodcroft yeah not j period j a y no no okay, i yeah, I, yeah. I i know his name okay yeah, yeah
0: yeah i very quickly googled who was the head coach of the edmonton oilers before writing all of this nice yeah, yeah. Nice. so i i don't mean to brag here <laughs> but i'm well prepared i know first and last name yeah <laughs> They're are 3-0 oh, since Jay Woodcroft, J A Y, W O O. Oh, well, I forgot the capitals. Anyways, took over. It didn't seem like a slam dunk promotion at
1: first, but do you think that this was a stroke of genius? A stroke of genius? I don't know. Um I think it was a stroke of desperation. That may turn out to be a stroke of genius. You know. Well,
0: necessity is the mother of invention.
1: Right. I mean, I mean, what year was it? 14, 15. Whatever. Desperation's
0: the drunk uncle of invention or
1: <laughs> What year was it that that the the Minnesota Wild went out and got Devin Dubnik? And basically 2015. Yeah, like and just I mean, that was pure and utter Luck. desperation. Desperation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was putting together a pretty good season in 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 Arizona that year. Um, but he had got himself off the scrap heap and then he was lights out for a couple of years for them. And it turned out to be, you know, I mean, it, it, what else could they do? Really? What else could they do? They had to fire Dave Tippett, right? You know, they had to fire Dave Tippett. It just wasn't working with him. Um, You know, I think in a couple of ways he was his own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. Um, They weren't getting the goaltending that they needed to get. Yeah. And their defensive play wasn't very good. Like for a guy who's, a defensive kind of coach? Yeah. Man, they were leaky. Leaky, leaky, leaky. And you can yeah. you can get away with not great defense if you're getting otherworldly goaltending. Yeah. You can't get away with leaky defense if you're getting lousy goaltending. Yeah. Yeah. I, so
0: the reason why I kind of ask it as, is it a stroke of genius is because a lot of times when a team that is, let's say established, like the Edmonton Oilers, there, there's no way that they're going into a tank year. I guess you know. No. Montreal yeah. walked in thinking that they were going to have a good year, and then said, "Bah! All right, we're tanking." Right, and it was very obvious. But there's no way that Edmonton, with Connor McDavid and Leon, Dr- like whatever, I'm not even going to name it. Right, there's no way that they can go into a tank year. And teams that are in that situation, they often go very conservative on their coach hiring. Right. That's where you get the Mike Babcock's brought in. That's where you get the Claude Julien's brought in. That's where you get the, you know, dare I even say, uh, John Tortorella's brought yeah, in. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because y- you you basically need to be able to defend the position to your fans and you need to be able to say Stanley Cup winner or whatever the case is. Right. And even when um, when the uh, when the Tampa Bay Lightning promoted John Cooper, it wasn't. As desperation, as nearly as this is here, it was, we think that there's a further step to take and we think that John Cooper is the way to do it. So I think it's interesting that they promoted their AHL coach because I feel that in situations like this, rarely is the AHL coach promoted. It's normally they bring in some very established big name guy. And so that's why I ask if you think that this is a stroke of genius.
1: Well, I mean, the guy's been around for a long time. He was an assistant coach with the Oilers too, like a couple of years ago. It's I think he, yeah. he's, he was in his fourth season in Bakersfield, um, had some success there, was pretty good. Um, you know, he has coached some of the guys on this team as an assistant coach. He's been a video coach. He's been an assistant in Detroit, you know. So, I mean, it's not like this guy just kind of, just kind of, Materialized out of nowhere, right? No, he he's didn't. Marte Saint
0: Louis is way into yeah, the league. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: he's yeah. been a, he's been a coach for a long time and a and a good coach for a long time. So, like, what else are you going to do? You know, I mean, you're going to bring t- John Tortorella into this, like that. That to me would have been would have wreaked way more of desperation if they would have brought brought in, you know, a, a Tortorella or a Claude Julian or a Mike Babcock or something like that. Like that, that just would have been a disaster in my opinion here. At yeah. least you got a guy who knows the players. He's familiar with the organization. He hasn't had his chance to run a bench at the NHL level. I mean, what do you have to lose at this point? Right. And he's interim. He's interim. You do have something to lose though. Like that's, that's what I'm kind of driving at.
0: with. Like the Montreal Canadians, you say, what do you have to lose? But with a team like this, what you have to lose is another year of McDavid, right? Another year of Dreisaitl. Right. You're going into um, uh, uh, what's his name is is starting his new contract next year. Um, Darnell Nurse, right, right, is starting his new contract next year. You're you've got a lot to lose if you don't bring in the right guy, and that often forces general managers to be ultra conservative because hockey is kind of a conservative sport to start off with. And to me, this was a gutsy move by Ken Holland to turn around and promote from within the organization.
1: Yeah, but but like they knew him, right? They know him. They know what he is. They know who he is. They know him inside out. They know the way he coaches. Yep. You know, so maybe it wasn't that gutsy. Maybe it was that, maybe that was the conservative move, you know, that maybe that was the conservative move was Hmm. to, you know, okay, well, there's nobody else out there. So let's just bring up our our minor pro guy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I mean, to me, it was, it, it, you know, going after one of those big names would have just been disastrous, would have been disastrous. Oh, I, because I those guys, you. you know, I mean, those guys are coming in, they're going to, they're going to want some security. They're going to want a four-year deal or a five-year deal at <laughs> yeah. enormous amounts of money. And, you know, then, then, and then things go sideways and uh, yeah. yeah, it, it just would have been horrible.
0: No, I, I, I completely agree with you there. Yeah. Um, finally on this uh, do you think that the Edmonton Oilers are going to make the playoffs
1: yeah they're a playoff team now by By points percentage they're they're a playoff team right yes yeah. yes I do so yes do. I do Yeah.
0: And, and do you think that they're going to they've got the ability to make some noise in the playoffs
1: I don't know about that and I'll tell you why I don't know about that please I don't like what I don't like about the Edmonton Oilers most is their lack of resilience almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like, you know, Connor, you've been around for a while. Leon, you've been around for a while. These guys have been around for a while. And I get the sense now that they get the big, your syndrome going, you know, yeah. the big, uh, you know, schleper syndrome going like, yeah. it's like when something bad happens, like, Oh, whoa, is us? Oh, here we yeah, go again. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything just goes down the crapper. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I want to see a team that gets into it, get that digs in when it gets into these situations. Right. You know, and and I don't see that. W- I haven't seen that. Yeah. Yet with the Edmonton Oilers, I, I want to see a team that's more resilient. I want to see a team that's more focused and committed when they really need to be. Right. I want to see a team that scores first once in a while. You know. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and 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 when it doesn't. That it just doesn't go into the big pout syndrome. You know what I mean? And yeah. and I, I just find that that is still prevalent with this team. And, you know, I mean, if you're going to win in the playoffs, you can't be like that. Yeah. Because at some point in the playoffs, for the most part, you're going to face some adversity. You're going to be down 3-1 in a series. You're going to get a call against you. You know, you're going to lose a game in overtime because of a, of a bad call or a bad read or a, yeah. you know, a bad luck or something like that. And I, this team as yet has not shown any evidence to me that they can overcome those setbacks. And until they do, I'm, I'm not a huge believer in them.
0: I think we talked about it in maybe our first or second episode. We, um, uh, when uh John Tortorella speaking of which made his comments about um basically calling McDavid a whiner yeah for whining about penalty calls and I think we talked a little bit about it and as much as uh I agree that McDavid should be drawing a lot more calls than he does part of the beauty of hockey is the resilience and that's on both the micro level in the mm-hmm. sense of in the sense of so and so hooked my hands and I didn't just leap leave the puck there and turn to the ref. But I, you know, put my head down and drove through it. Part of that's on the micro level. And to your, what you're saying here, part of that's on the macro level of, we got down three to one in that series. Yeah, Like that's what yeah. made uh, the Montreal Canadiens such an exciting story to cheer for in the playoffs last year, was that they got down three to one against the big, bad Maple Leafs. The team that's been ordained to win the Stanley Cup since they drafted Austin Matthews. And so similarly here with, uh, with McDavid, we, we need to see that resilience. I completely agree with you. Um, final question on the Edmonton Oilers before we get out of here. Do you, think that, do you think that Dave Tippett got fired because of the goaltending? And if so, what um, percentage? Like what percentage would you say was the goaltending?
1: I, I would say at least 50. Yeah? At least 50. Because, you know, the old saying, show me a good coach and I'll show me a good goalie and I'll show you a good coach. Yeah. However, Dave Tippett got fired because of Dave Tippett, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, no one told him to start. blaming the goaltending. (laughs) No, but no one told him to start Mike Smith coming off an injury twice in a row. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what that was all about. Yeah. You know, and again, they like they were they're pretty disastrous in their own end and defensively. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I, I think. You know, I mean, goaltending is a huge part of it, obviously. I mean, they just weren't, you know, the guy's got to make a save. And, and, and I mean, you know, again, you know, it, 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 hearkening back to that resilience thing, right? Yeah. Like, I think part of it too is, and you, you, well, I don't know, you're a goalie, so you, you don't, you don't get the sense on the bench. I always defend the goaltenders. Right. But you don't (laughs) get the sense on the bench. But there are sometimes on the bench when it's like, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how well we play. Yeah. Cause we're not winning because our goalie can't stop anything. No, and, I mean, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, so it, it was huge. Like goaltending was a huge part of that. And, yeah. and, and I think that's on Ken Holland, you know, Ken Holland has to wear that. Yeah. You know, he, he was the one that decided to go into the season with Miko Koskinen and then a 38 year old Mike Smith who yeah. was coming off injuries and you get what you deserve when you when you make gambles like that and that put them in a bad spot. Yeah? You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, goaltending is a part of it. But I, I think, you know, I think Dave Tippett has to wear some of, you know, has to wear some of this himself for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's always the chicken or egg thing with goaltending and coaching, right? Um Michelle Terrien has coached two goalies to winning a Hart and Vesna trophy. Mm-hmm. Is that by accident? Is it not? Does it make him a good coach? Probably not. Does it mean that he puts goaltenders in a good situation to succeed? Maybe. Yep. But Carey Price and Jose Theodore, the last two goalies to win the Hart and Vesna trophy, were both coached by Michel Therrien the year that they won the Hart and Vesna trophy.
1: Hmm. I don't think it makes him a good coach.
0: No, I'm not saying it makes him a good coach, but it might make him good at that one aspect of the game. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe a good defensive coach. Right. (laughs) Um, before we get out of here anything else you want to talk about
1: that either but yeah <laughs> Anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here uh, There's one thing I want to touch on Please Mark Stone is injured I don't, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't I don't dispute that he's missed like 20 games this year Yeah You know but but to see Vegas you know the day that Jack Eichel is miraculously available to play Mark Stone has to go on the LTIR Yeah Um are didn't do anything wrong they're not evil yeah they manipulated this the salary cap and legally circumvented it the way a lot of teams have done and are doing yeah. i feel like now if you're not if you're not
0: um you ain't cheating if you ain't you, trying yeah if you're yeah. not
1: if you're not manipulating the salary cap right now you're not trying hard enough yeah however the one thing that i will say is that th- this is a systemic problem that that like to me it's rid- it's ridiculous And I'll tell you why. Buffalo, the Buffalo Sabres and the Ottawa Senators are playing tonight. Okay. They have a game. They have a game tonight. Yeah. They're, it's, it's, it's a nothing game in every sense of the word. Yeah. You know, they're not making the playoffs neither of them is making the playoffs and neither of them is bad enough to, to get, you know, the, the first pick. So it's, it's literally a nothing game in the middle of February, in the dog days, like this typifies a nothing game to me. Right. Two bad teams in February, dog days of the season, boom, nothing game.
0: So are you tuning in? What? Are you tuning in?
1: Uh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, and, and, but, but to me, that game, Yeah, the Ottawa Senators and the Buffalo Sabres for tonight's game, before they step on the ice, they have to be cap compliant. Right. Right? They've got to be compliant with the salary cap or they can't play. Right. Right? So two bad teams playing a nothing game in February have to be cap compliant, but a team playing in game seven of the Stanley Cup final doesn't. Yeah. How does that make any sense on any level at all? Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. And I don't know how you change it because you'd have to change the collective bargaining agreement, and I think teams – like it this way and the league likes it this way, but how can you be $10 million or 15 or $18 million over the salary cap in the Stanley cup final and have to be cap compliant for a nothing game in February? It makes no sense to me.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I can, I completely agree with you. I mean, on one side of that, it's, you know, going back to the Tampa Bay lightning last year, it's impressive that they managed to, play so well without their arguably best player in Nikita Kucherov, mm-hmm. right? Throughout the year. But at the same so they would have had to have drafted well in order to be in a situation where they could have had a team that was good enough to do which, that sort of thing. Which they did. Which they did, of course. But it is like I I agree. Either you know, make this a soft cap or which I know that most teams don't want to do, but I'm sorry If you're if you're the Arizona Coyotes ownership and you don't want to make it a soft cap. Screw you. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like you're you're, you're talking about like New York Rangers, then the Toronto Maple Leafs, then the Montreal Canadiens and then maybe Boston. Yeah, I think the heavy hitters. Yeah, those are the four teams that are making up about 50 percent of all the revenue. If they want a soft cap, which I'm pretty sure that most of them do, no inside information, just, you know, I know that they're they're not afraid of none of those teams are afraid of spending money because they know that they're making it. If they want a soft cap because they want to get that playoff money in, then then they should just do it. Because right now it's getting to be a joke that the fact that this loophole is being exploited again and again and again. And this is the most blatant one. This is this is like. I've got a two-year-old. You've got kids. You know what it's like when kids yeah, yeah. they push that boundary yeah, yeah, and yeah. then they push it again.
1: Yeah. To me, you know, like it's just it's just you know. To me, I remember Ron Wilson in his first year with Toronto. Uh, he paid. He gave. They they saw him on TV giving a couple of hundred bucks to the guy who got the winning goal. Right. Against I I I assume it was Anaheim, his old team or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And they dinged him. Right.
0: Yeah. So. Like, For two hundred bucks.
1: Yeah. So like you're you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna get that anal about it. Yeah. On the on the one side of the salary cap, but you're not on this side of the salary cap. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't it just doesn't make any sense. But you know what I mean. It's all night. It's all well and good to talk about a soft cap, but it's never coming. It's yeah. ne- you're never getting that genie. You know you're never getting that toothpaste back in the tube. There's no way the owners have it too good, and 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 I I think a lot of the the Revenue generating teams, you know, I mean, they generate more revenues because they don't spend $130 million a year on salaries. They can only spend 81 and a half. Okay.
0: But Montreal's and, and, like capped and- out this year. Yeah, right? yeah. And they're not going to the playoffs. Right. So if you were to tell Jeff Molson, hey, spend another $5 million, and obviously Montreal is not a $5 million player away, but let's just say, you know, hypothetically in this weird situation I've concocted, you tell Jeff Molson, spend another $5 million, and then you can get at least one round of playoff revenue? Every day he does it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or, Every day or, of the week. or spend another $5 million and take on a salary that you don't want so you can get assets for the future. Right. He does that too. But it, but it's not going to happen, Dylan. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Franchise values are through the roof. They continue to climb and they do so because the NHL has cost certainty. Yeah. That's what they want. They want cost certainty. Even yeah. though they don't really have it because you don't end up you end up spending way more than the salary cap allows you to spend. Yeah. Yeah. But they want the cost certainty and yeah. they've got it. They worked hard to do it. They shut down the league for a year to get it. And then they, well, for a whole year in 2004, 2005. And then they, and then they shut it down again to get, to get more of the percentage of revenues. They want this and they're There's, it's not going back. It's not going back unless the players, unless the players are prepared to sit out for two years, which they're, which clearly they're not. Yeah. Um, and
0: why would they be?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're doing okay too. Yeah. You know, for the most (laughs) part.
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, the last thing that I'll say about that is, uh, it, and what's so unfortunate about this is that it's clearly cap circumvention, but as much as it's cap circumvention is annoying, it's an annoying issue to talk about. It's an annoying issue to have in the league. It's all those things. But I would want to see a situation where guys like Mark Stone, guys like clearly Jeff Petrie this year, clearly um, probably two players on every single team are playing with lingering injuries. Yeah. And it would be nice to see a situation where they could clear up those lingering injuries. But this kind of, it sullies that to me. It does. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay, I'm not going to question whether Mark Stone's injured because you know what? He plays hockey at the National Hockey League level. He's injured. Yeah, he is. Everybody is. Everybody, Everybody is, is. But he
1: really is. I mean, he's missed a bunch of games because has, of this, right? So I, I don't question. You know, I don't yeah. question the validity of the injury. Yeah. I don't question that he's legitimately injured. Yeah. And and I and I'm not even going to question if he legitimately comes back in the playoffs and is is okay. Yeah. I, I just, I just don't understand how the league can be so anal about the salary cap. In some ways, and then just be so flippant Flip it. about yeah. it in others. Yeah. like,
0: yeah. Thanks so much for sticking around to the end of this episode. Check out Ken on Twitter at Ken underscore Campbell27 and subscribe to his Substack, kencampbell.substack.com. Check me out on Twitter at underscore Dylan Waugh. Check out this podcast on Twitter at Hockey No Filter and please subscribe, rate, review, check us out on YouTube as well. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next week.